Hey, New Life Gillette Church, we are thrilled you decided to listen to our teaching on your favorite podcast app. If you made a decision to follow Christ today, would you let us know by visiting yes.newlifegillette.com? Here is this week's teaching. I want to say, first of all, welcome to those of you that this is your church, that you worship here regularly, welcome home. To those of you that are visiting, I hope that you felt the joy of the Lord when you came in. We have such an awesome hospitality team. They do such a great job. Give it up for them, for the hospitality team. And then finally, for those that are watching online, we are so glad that you are connected to our church and part of our church body as well. So like Pastor Sarah said, uh, my name is Nick Grassi. I'm a high school teacher. I teach up at Thunder Basin, and I've worked with youth for over 20 years. Pastor Mike asked me today just to share a message Um, looking at 1 John and talking about our teens. Um, I'm not a preacher, okay? I am a teacher, so it might look a little bit different today. I'm going to treat you like my classroom. I hope that's okay with you guys. Um, I get to decide, by the way. I get to decide if you have homework. I get to decide if you have a test today. All right, I promise no test, but I am going to give you some homework today, all right? I'm going to give you some homework. Um, Anyway, my message today is one that I hope that you feel encouraged and that you feel challenged, that you feel encouraged, and that you feel challenged. So let's pray. Father, God, you are so good. We thank you today that we get to sit in your presence, Lord. I just pray that this message would honor you. I pray that the people that are listening to this message, Lord, that they would be encouraged in their faith, that they would just grow and reflect Um, And we thank you, God, for all the great things you're doing in this church and with our youth group. In your name we pray, amen. All right, we're going to do an activity. You're going to need your phones out, so everyone get your phones out. You're going to take a survey. I'm not going to give you the question yet, but you're going to take a survey here in a second. Um, I'm going to ask you a question. It's going to talk about adults. Now, I want you to give me real answers, okay? Don't try and church it up. Give me real answers, It's going to ask something about adults. Don't, like, not you personally, but, like, an adult, any adult. So, like, if you went to Walmart and you asked an adult this question, what do you think they would say? Okay? So, here's your question. How would the average adult describe teenagers? Okay? Be honest. And you're going to see here in front of you a QR code. So, go ahead and take the survey. How would the average adult Describe teenagers. All right, as you guys are uh, filling that out, I'm going to give you a little background on this. So I do this question. I have this question, this activity, every year as a teacher. And I ask my uh, teenagers in class, how would the average adult describe you? And then they, they fill it out, a little survey. And then I look at the results and I put them up on the board. I want to see what your guys' results are compared to our teens. So we'll see if you guys have the same results or if you have different results. All right, let's go ahead and populate that screen. Let's see where we're at. All right, 300 responses. All right, so we have, it looks like lazy, disrespectful, rude, selfish, 
entitled, lost, energetic. All right, next slide. I think, I think we got it. So your results, not surprising to me, your results mimic what the teenagers respond. If you noticed on that list, what did you see as kind of the overarching message? They were mostly negative. Question, why did you guys go towards a negative? I didn't tell you to give me a negative result. I said, give me an honest result. What would the average adult say about teenagers? And overwhelmingly, that list was very negative. Is that who teenagers are? Are they lazy, rude, disrespectful kids? And then I also want to challenge you today. How would Christ, how would Jesus respond to that question if he was asked about teenagers? Okay. Now, teens. So I do this activity in the classroom. These are the three top results that I've gotten over the last 20 years. And I'm not making this up. For the last 20 years, I've asked this question, teens. These are the top responses they give. Teens report that adults think that they are stupid, that they are lazy, and that they are disrespectful. That's the results I get every time I ask my teenagers. Next slide. All right, we're going to come back to that. We're going to come back to that here in just a second. Um, adults, what do we talk about? When we hang out in groups of adults, when we're at a social gathering, what are we talking about? We talk about stupid stuff. We used to be cool, okay? You guys used to be cool. Um, we talk about the weather. We sit around and talk about the weather. How boring is that? Or worse, we sit around and we talk about politics. Oh, I hate talking about politics. Oh, I love hanging out with teenagers because their conversations are so fun, so crazy, whatever. Um, the other thing that we talk about as adults is we always ask, what do you do for a living? You hang out with an adult long enough and they're going to ask another adult, what do you do for a living? So, of course, I'm a high school teacher. And when people ask, what do you do for a living? I tell them, I'm a high school teacher. What do you suppose is the number one thing I get back when I tell someone I'm a high school teacher? I'm sorry. Literally, I'm sorry. I get that over and over and over again. It just drives me nuts. And you know what? That tells me when an adult says, I'm sorry, that they are subconsciously, on some level, they're thinking, because all teens are stupid, all teens are lazy, all teens are disrespectful, that's kind of what I think happens uh, with that question. So what happens when we hear negative things? What happens when we're here, we're stupid, we're lazy, okay? If I say five nice things about you, if I say, you know, you are kind, you are funny, you're fun to be around, and I build you up with five nice things, but I say one negative thing, let's say I say, uh, but you dress, you don't dress very nice. At the end of the day, what are you going to remember? You're not going to remember that I said that you're kind, you're funny, you're nice. You're going to focus on, you're going to go home, you're like, why did he say I dress funny? And dressing funny, I mean, that's not a nice thing to say about someone, but what if I said you were stupid? You're funny, you're kind, I love to be around you, but man, you are so stupid. What are you going to remember? That's what you're going to take away from that conversation. That's what our teens take away when they hear negative things. They dwell on those things, which is not good. Here's what I believe. I believe people, especially kids, 
will live up to the expectations put in front of them. If we set the bar low, if we say, oh, you're stupid, you're rude, you're whatever, that's what you're going to live up to. Working with teens in the last 20 years, I have found through personal experience that if you set the bar high, if you build into kids and you encourage them, and yeah, you got to correct them, they, they need some correction, but if you set that bar high, more often than not, those kids will live up to that expectation. We set the bar low, that's what we're going to get. We set the bar high, you're going to see people living up to those expectations. So, are our kids stupid, lazy, and more disrespectful today? Are they? Let's take a look at just stupid for a second. Uh, high school teacher, I know you as parents. I challenge you to try and do their homework. Try and do their math homework. Holy moly, what kids are required to learn today is absolutely crazy to me. And so we, when we say they're stupid, we put a lot of challenging work in front of them. Okay. Um, are they lazy? I get this one a lot. Are teens lazy? I know so many teens that work really hard. They go to school for eight hours a day, and then at the end of the day, they don't, some of them will go home, but a lot of them will go do activities, they'll go do sports, they'll be involved in clubs, and they'll even work. I know so many of my teenagers that love a part-time job after school, four o'clock to eight o'clock, maybe nine o'clock, maybe even 10 o'clock at night, they'll work. They'll work an eight-hour day in school, and then they'll work another four or five hours after school, and we call them lazy? Boy, that is defeating to those kids. They're not lazy, they're working hard. They might not like school, but to call them lazy. And then finally, are they more disrespectful today? I get that one a lot. Kids are just disrespectful today. Here's a quote that I like. Children today are tyrants. I think we can all agree, right? Children today are tyrants. They contradict their parents, gobble their food, and tyrannize their teachers. I have this quote posted in my classroom. Not for the kids to see. This is a reminder for me. Guess who said it? Socrates. 420 BC. What's the point? The point is every generation says that about their kids. Oh, these kids today, these kids today, they were saying that 420 B.C., okay? I don't care if it's 1950s. I don't care if you go back to George Washington. Every adult generation says these kids today. Are they more disrespectful? Now, when people ask me that question, usually how I respond is I will turn that question back over to that adult that asks, and I will say, are adults more disrespectful today? How are we living are we modeling behavior that we want our kids to see? All right, well, let's get into some scripture. I've got three uh, scriptures that I want to read today, two out of 1 John and one out of Philippians. Um, as we look at the scriptures today, I want you to notice, obviously, Jesus, but I want you to look at Jesus and how he defines love, and I want you to look at how that love is put into practice in serving. Okay, because I want to be like Jesus. So let's take a look. First of all, 1 John chapter 2. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, 
but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. I want to live like Jesus. When I'm serving these teens, when I'm working with these teens, I want to try and be as close to Jesus as I can. Let's take a look at John chapter, 1 John chapter 3. I love this verse. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. We ought to lay down our lives. That's what Jesus did, and that's what we are commanded to do as well. And then the last scripture I want to look at today is out of Philippians. I love Philippians. It's one of my favorite books in the New Testament. Um, chapter 2 is probably one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. If you've never had a chance to read through Philippians 2 this afternoon, spend some time there. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your, in your relationship. Uh, with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death on a cross." That's the Jesus I know. That's the Jesus who I want to model my life as best as I can after. All right, story time. You guys want story time? I love story time, classroom story time. So I was in the military. Um, I started out in the uh, South Dakota Air National Guard, and then I uh, moved out here to Wyoming, transferred to the Wyoming Air Guard. I thought when I was younger, I wanted to go into medicine. Um, I was thinking about doing something in the medical field. I, I quickly found out medicine's not for me. I don't know about you guys, they say beauty's on the inside. You start cutting people open, it's gross in there. There's no beauty. So I was like, I, I did not want to be in medicine. So anyway, I started down that path, but very quickly I found out I should be a teacher. Um, but I also had a commanding officer who saw something in me. And he said, I want you, Nick, to apply to become a military intelligence officer. So I was an enlisted troop, and he painted this vision of, you know, what this would look like. I got pretty excited, so I applied for the position. I got accepted. The first thing I had to do is I had to go off to officer school. I was an enlisted guy, but I had to go off to this eight-week course to become an officer, and it was a boot camp. So I set off, I did that, and uh, the first thing I found out that the people that were there, there was 120 people from all over the United States that all wanted to become officers, they were very, very competitive. They, it was a very competitive environment, and everything we did, we got evaluated on. We had to do push-ups, sit-ups, we had to do written tests, we had to do marching, all these different activities, and everyone wanted to be the top person in, in that graduating class. So. We were there. The other thing I noticed is that when we made mistakes, 
we had to correct those mistakes. So if we were marching out of step or if we you know, gave a wrong answer on a test, we had to correct that. Not only did we have to correct the mistake we made, but we had, to, we had to have some kind of consequence. We had to go clean toilets, we had to do push-ups, so whenever we made a mistake, if we were marching out of step, uh, my favorite was actually the push-ups. I love the push-ups, um, I hate clean toilets. So one of, the, one of the officers who was running the school, if we were out of step, he'd come up and he'd be like, drop. And that was our cue, just to drop to the pavement, start doing push-ups. I thought, honestly, for the first two weeks of that school, my first name was not Nick, I thought it was drop, because all I heard was drop, Rassy, drop, Rassy. Oh, I screwed up again doing push-ups. We also found out pretty quickly at this school that not only did, if you made a mistake, but very quickly, the officers that were in charge of the school, they would punish everybody. So if my unit, if I was out of step, my whole unit would have to do push-ups, not just me. So I, I caused my entire unit to have push-ups. Long story short, there was this girl there. I don't even remember her name. She was one of the people that was selected to go to this school, and she was just struggling. She could not do the, the run. She couldn't do the push-up. She couldn't do the marching. She, everything she did, she just screwed up. So she got yelled at a lot, and she had a lot of punishments. She was in my unit. So every time she got punished, I had to get punished, and all the other people got punished. Pretty soon, we looked at her with, like, you're a leper. Like, we, you are a liability. We don't want to be by you because every time we're by you, we get in trouble. So we just kind of ignored her and tried to stay away from her. There was another guy who was at this school. I don't know who he was, just some guy wanting to be an officer. He took a different approach. Instead of staying away from this girl who was liability, he made it his mission in life to help her. And every single time that he could help her, he did. When we got done marching and we were done for the day, he'd spend an extra 15 minutes showing her just some things that she was struggling with. End of this course, end of the eight weeks, we get to the very end, we get to the award ceremonies. And then one of the awards they had was the distinguished graduate who was going to be the top ranked person in this class. I knew it wasn't going to be me, but there was a lot of young guys that were, you know, puffing up their chest and oh, I'm going to be, I had the top scores, and I'm going to be the honor graduate. I think you can see where the story is going. The commanding officer brought all of us in, all 120 of us, and he said, now it's time to reveal who is the honor graduate. And all these top candidates who thought they were going to be selected, nope, it was the guy who helped the girl. And I'll never forget this. He brings the guy up on stage and he says, this is what we want right here. This is what the U.S. military wants. This is what an officer is supposed to do. They're supposed to take care of the enlisted troops. It's not about how good he is. It's can he take care of the people that he's entrusted with. And I was just like, duh, like I stayed away from this girl. I didn't help her. What kind of leader do you want to be? Now, you might not be in the military, obviously, but all of us are going to lead in some way, shape, or form. You might be a boss at work. It might be your own kids in your house. It might be someone you work with. All of us are going to serve in some kind of leadership position in this life. I want to be a servant leader. I want to be someone who it's not about me. It's about the teens. It's about the people that I'm supposed to serve. Think about it. There's a lot of people that are angry in America today. And I think part of the reason why we see a lot of anger in America today is bad leadership. And I don't want to get all about politics or whatever, but let's say you work for a company and the boss of the company is a selfish person only take care of themselves. People are going to be happy, okay? Politicians, 
they're not supposed to take care of themselves. They're supposed to serve. You serve a four-year term. Someone in the military, they're supposed to serve. Someone comes up, what branch did you serve in? That service is such an important part of leadership. Think about Christ. When Jesus was on this earth, he walked with his disciples. And what did he do? He served them. And ultimately, when Jesus left, when he ascended into heaven, who did he entrust the kingdom with? His disciples. And who were those disciples? They were literally tax collectors and fishermen. But he poured into them and he built them up so that he could hand the kingdom to them and say, now go out into the world with the help of the Holy Spirit, obviously. All right, so who are you supposed to serve and what does this look like? I'm gonna tell you a story. And this story is a very, very, very personal story in my life. Um, I was wondering if I should even share it with the entire church body. I asked Pastor Mike, um, and he said, you know what, Nick, I think you need to share this story with the entire church. And so I was like, okay. Um, I shared it with my life group. Uh, years ago, I was working with a church, and I was just a, a youth volunteer at a church here in town. I wasn't here. Um, I worked with that church for, for 10 years. It was an awesome church. It was a regular Wednesday night. And I was sitting in the sanctuary of this church. We had done a bunch of games and activities, and now the youth pastor was up preaching, and we were just sitting, kind of like this, and the youth pastor was preaching, when all of a sudden, I had a vision. Now, when I say I had a vision, I had never had a vision before. I've never had one since. I didn't even know exactly what a vision was, but I am talking like a literal biblical vision. I was sitting there in the audience, listening to the youth pastor, and all of a sudden, I found myself in the presence of God. I literally was in God's throne room. I can't describe it. You know, you see places in scripture like Isaiah that talks about the throne room. I can't describe it. I can't describe what God looked like, but I know that I was in God's presence. And God had a crown. I get kind of emotional about this, but God had a crown. And this crown was a gold crown. It didn't have any rubies, didn't have any emeralds on it. It was just a solid gold crown. And the tines coming up were people. Not individual people that I knew, just people. They looked like little golden statues. And God handed me this crown. And he said, take care of it. And I was just sitting there in God's presence. He said, just take care of it. And I knew that was my purpose in life, to take care of the people. And who were the people? They were teens, okay? They were just people in my life that I was supposed to take care of. And then all of a sudden, I just found myself sitting back in the, in the, in the, the sanctuary of the church, and I was like, whoa, what, what happened? I remember talking to the youth pastor and the head pastor at that church, and they're like, you had a vision. And I was like, whoa, I didn't even understand it exactly. We are created to be in community. We are created to take care of people. So my question is, who are you supposed to serve? What does that look like? All right, I've got a video clip. Lighten up the mood here a little bit. I've got a video clip here in a second. This is King Ralph. Um, if you ever seen the movie King Ralph, it's a stupid movie from the 80s. Um, I've actually never seen it, but it's a movie where this common guy, um, he finds himself that they didn't know he's actually the king of England. So they take him to England, and they're like, they're going to make him the, the king. Um, what do you suppose 
He's going to be as a king. He's going to ask for things. He's going to be like, give me, give me, give me. Um, and so he finds himself asking for things because now he's the king of England. So let's go ahead and roll the clip. Well, Jones, you really fell upstairs this time. Too bad it's only going to last the rest of your life. You called your majesty. Which one are you again? Gordon, your majesty's page. Yeah, Gordon, I was just wondering if you could bring me something. Anything. Anything, your majesty? I've never had anybody bring me something before. I just wanted to try it out. Certainly. Perhaps an assortment of fine chocolates. Got any milk duds? Kind of a stupid movie clip. Um, I don't know about you, but that's probably what I would do if I had a crown. I'd, I'd probably drop it in the bathtub, ask my wife, and be like, what are you doing, you know? Don't be that guy. He obviously wanted to be served and instead of serve, okay? All right, I got a homework assignment for you. I promise you a homework assignment. This week, I want you to spend some time, and I want you to think about who is it that you are supposed to serve? Who is it that God has entrusted to you? Who is it that's on your crown? And I want you to write them a letter. Now I say write a letter, okay? This is something that I do in my, my personal life, my ministry. I write letters to my teenagers. I write letters to my own kids. I write letters to just people in general. Don't text them. You can text people, okay? You can text people all the time, but I want you to write a letter that is encouraging, Speak truth into that person's life. And I don't know who you're supposed to write your letter to. You're gonna to have to ask God. It might be a coworker, it might be a teenager. We hear all the time, oh, you're stupid, you're lazy, you're whatever. I want you to speak truth into that person's life. I want you to remind them who they are in Christ. And I want you to spend some time thinking about scripture that they need to hear. My daughter, Julia, I'd put in that letter, Philippians 4.13, that's what I'd put in that letter. But I want you to spend time this week thinking about who it is in your life that you were supposed to serve. These are my three daughters, by the way. That's Julia right there. She's actually sitting right over there. Um, this is my daughter, Rachel, and this is my daughter, Sarah. She just graduated high school this year. Um, this is VBS years ago. They actually made crowns, which is kind of fun. I thought about this picture when I was thinking about putting this message together. Who is on your crown? Who are the people that God has entrusted you with? My challenge and my encouragement to you is to serve. Write them a letter this week. Tell them how important they are to you. All right, well, that's what I have for you guys today. Uh, we're gonna finish up in prayer. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you just give me a chance to to honor you, Lord, through this message, to encourage the people in this room. I pray that we think about who is on our crown, that we are challenged to live a life that is serving, and to take care of those people that you've given us, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.